Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Bruce, we're back. The Oilers are back. We are back with our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast in the Oilers 4-1 to exhibition game victory over the Calgary Flames. What did you think of the, I'm just going to, I forgot to turn on the light here, I'm going to turn it on, but what, what did you think of the game? Never in doubt. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, Oilers got off to the quick early start with two early goals and they finished off with two late goals and in between times it was a whole lot of scrambling and a lot of time of uh, of uh, Calgary holding the puck in Edmonton territory and generating shots, but uh, uh, only the one goal that they were able to muster and uh, some big stops from Edmonton goalies and uh, uh, it was, you know, I call it a workmanlike performance. I didn't want the Oilers to lay it all out there tonight and they really no. didn't, you know. You just want them to get through that game and survive and Anytime, you know, when, when Kachuk, uh, Submarine, dry sidle, I held my breath a little bit, you know, and, and uh, I guess Smith jammed something at one point and, uh, and you know, but uh, it looks like they got through it. Uh, it looks like they got through it okay. And I mean, if you're going to play Calgary, you might as well beat them, right? So. Yeah, uh, Kachuk. I'll take the zero points and He's move on. He's such a dirty, dirty hockey player, honestly. That that submarine was not uh, that was not fair play at all. There's something in every game, right? He's always doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, pers- I I thought uh, I I didn't, you know, the the fans not being in the in the building, you know, of course you notice it. Um, but I thought that was a pretty intense, like for an exhibition game, that was an amazingly in- intense exhibition game. Um, you know, there was lots of hits, which you, you hardly ever see in an exhibition game. Uh, they were battling hard. They're trying to get ready for what's right. coming next, which is going to be super intense. You know, it's going to be interesting because um, without the fans, you know, one of the things about the plus is the fans, the playoffs, the fans just go crazy, right? Mm-hmm. They go nuts. And you have yeah. to think the players feed off that. Just mm-hmm. the absolute nutty frenzy of yeah. the fans being there. Now, that's going to be absent. And it's a different situation. So, um and, and we'll see different players, I think, maybe react in different ways to it. Maybe yeah. there's going to be like a more introverted player or someone like who's not, you know, doesn't get pumped up by that kind of thing. If that's, you know, who might actually do a little better mm-hmm. without that kind of um, scrutiny intensity right there at the ring. But then there's going to be the player who just thrives off that adrenaline, who might actually right. do a little bit less. It's, mm-hmm. And it's hard to know. And like if we hear the excuse, well, I couldn't get into it. I just couldn't raise my level of intensity because the like the fan like if you ever hear that from a player, man, that's that is the that will be the worst excuse of all because it's every situation in life presents a different challenge. Right. And your test right now is to meet this challenge is to is to ace this, you know, which could see you you could end up playing was it thirty three games like this is this incredible marathon uh weird challenge of isolation being cooped up in a hotel you know a a beautiful gilded cage but still a cage um cooped up with the same people uh and it's going to be a fascinating kind of social experiment in hockey to see which Mm -hmm. team can can come through this the best 
I like Edmonton's chances, Bruce, because I think they're a bunch of fanatics. I honestly think this is a very fanatical group of players right now, led by Chief Fanatic and Chief Connor McDavid. And why don't I start there with my good thing? Um, right. Well, he's not my good thing. Sorry, that was a bad segue. He was going to be one of my good. He, he got one of. The, I gave three eights in the game, three great eights. Oh yeah. And McDavid was one of them. Wow. Okay. But uh, my my good thing, Bruce. Uh, We're just doing one each. One each. Yeah. Okay. That was only just an exhibition game. It was just right. an exhibition game. Let's not go crazy here. Yeah. 100%. My good thing was that the players, I think I gave them all sevens. It's the, the top four defensemen on the Oilers, Clefbaum, mm-hmm. Arson, Nurse, and Bear. And I'll just quickly just say why I gave each one of them. I, I was so happy, first of all, to see Nurse back in the lineup and healthy and looking not at all injured. I just thought he was a commanding presence in that game. Ethan Bear was his usual He's just picked up right where he left off. Such a savvy, smart, effective hockey player. A right shot player. And he unleashed uh, a real corker of a right shot one-timer on the mm-hmm. power play, which was great to see. Oscar Clefbaum, he's he's just pure class at this point. He's, he's a really fine uh, NHL defenseman who, um, you know, and on the power play, he's he, I've come to consider him the most underrated oiler on the power play. Maybe Chase on, too. Both of these players play really key roles. And mm-hmm. Clefbaum twice just did what he always does. He makes that perfect, quick, effective pass right on into the wheelhouse of the player on the half wall or down low and and uh, led to one goal. He, he you know, whipped right. over dry sidle and led to the goal. And then there was another play where he set up McDavid down low and then McDavid got it to James Neal, I believe. I, or I think that was the sequence. I can't recall exactly. Mm-hmm. Look at the scoring chance document. And, uh, right. But uh, and then finally, Adam Larson, Bruce, I think Adam Larson is he he again looks healthy. And when Adam Larson's healthy and ready to go, he is a beast to play against. And he made a great play on on uh, Johnny Goodrow, stopping that uh, wraparound shot. And he was he was just nasty and effective. And we haven't seen that truly nasty, effective Adam Larson. We saw it in the last two weeks, two months of this season. We hadn't seen it 20, since the 2017 playoffs, and we saw it again tonight. So, my good thing is that top four. I, I'm I'm very um, uh, encouraged by uh, how strong each of those players are, and it's a much stronger. It's a stronger top four than last time. I think the Oilers were in the playoffs in 2017. As good as Sekera and Russell were, I think that uh, uh, Nurse and Bear are going to play a little bit better. Uh, more physical game than they played. What is you, uh, any comments or thoughts or? Yeah, I particularly liked Adam Larson's game tonight. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was solid. Made some real good defensive plays, and just enough for the nasty. Like he, you know, he didn't sort of play the whole game on edge, but uh, uh, just you know, here and there, he he, he uh, finished a couple of checks and and uh, cleared out the net front. You know, and and. As you say, he cleaned up that dangerous play out where it was a wraparound by Goodrow, but I thought he took away a couple other good cross-ice passes with a good stick to just tip passes out of the lane and yeah. away from danger. And uh, I thought he moved the puck okay. Like didn't particularly get involved in the offensive zone, but the orders as a team didn't spend a lot of time there after the first period. Yeah, if the orders have one weakness, you know, they really could move the you know, they could really use that superior puck-moving defenseman, and maybe that'll be Evan Bouchard uh, one day or 
you know, there's, you know, there's Caleb Jones, there's Broberg, like all of these guys, especially Clefbaum and Bear are very strong puck movers. But, you know, if they, mm-hmm. if they just had that one brilliant guy that would put them over the top here, but this is a, a strong unit. What is your good thing, Bruce? Uh, I'm going to share the honor between the two netminders. I thought both were real strong. Uh, I was actually pleased to see Mikkel Koskinen get the start. Dave Tippett played his hands very close to his chest throughout. And the broad speculation was that Mike Smith was going to be the man. And maybe he still will be on Saturday, but I kind of doubt it. I think today's starter was a dead giveaway. That, And, of course, Koskinen played 30 minutes and didn't let in a goal. So it's not like... You know, he got outplayed by Smith or by anybody tonight. Uh, Koskinen was real solid. And just, there was just, there was one sequence where he made two <coughs> saves and he couldn't quite control the rebound on the second one. And then a uh, uh, there was a chaos ensued where Philip Broberg wound up making a save on <laughs> Koskinen's behalf. But uh, that was uh, uh, a little bit bad luck, you know, just how the... Like he he had the puck trapped under his pad and somebody shoved it out and the the defense was just a little bit late to uh, uh, to close in there but uh, that was really his his only moment where he didn't seem in full control and uh, Mike Smith came on and he was flashing the leather early and he made a few good stops and uh, I wasn't real thrilled with the rebound he gave out on the one Calgary goal with. Uh, with under five seconds to go in the middle frame, that made it two-one. Uh, yeah. But he made up for that and then some with a ten-bell stop on a two-on-one early in the third, when Calgary yeah. was coming on and looked like you know the tying goal was coming and and that was an enormous stop. And uh, was it Manjapani? I can't remember which Calgary guy it was, but I know he he did not miss his shot. It was a one-time. It was Bennett. That's right. It was Bennett. It was a one-timer off a pass and he got it up and over. Smith's pad, which was a leading uh, bit of gear that Smith threw over there, but he got his glove over top of the pad and made the save with the glove, and that was the, probably the game-turner in terms of saves in this game. And really, I mean, both netminders were maybe a little sloppy handling the puck, but, I mean, that really can't be too much of a surprise. It's, you know, it's like the first week at spring training kind of thing, right? They're, they're still working out some of those kinks. But uh, when it came just down to straight stopping the puck, I was very satisfied with both goalies' performance. And, I mean, Calgary had 37 shots in this game and only one went in. So that's not to like. Yeah, uh, the Oilers had 11 grade-A chances by our count and the Flames had 10. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, um, the Oilers were actually the better of the team, even though they were behind on the shot count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I... I like Mike Smith and Koskinen, and I would be happy with either of them starting against Chicago, but I do think that Koskinen may be the better pick. Mm-hmm. For one reason, Chicago's a lot like this Calgary team. They're, Calgary's not a dump-and-chase team, this this Flames team. and There's a lot of smaller skill players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of Smurf-like, and, uh, you know, uh, on a certain level up at the forwards with uh, you know, Goudreau, uh, Dubé, Mangiapane, uh, Derek Ryan. And... So uh, Chicago's similar, high school skill team, not a dump and chase team, lots of shots from the outside, lots of tricky shots, and that's Koskinen's game, where against a dump and chase team, you really want to get Smith in there because of his puck handling, you know, that, that can really thwart a team that tries to dump the puck in, and there's going to be teams like that that the Oilers will play, I think, as this comes around, but it just 
initially because of the style that Chicago plays. I see Koskinen as the better pick. And he had one of those games that he's had all year long where he's just mm-hmm. so big in the net, Bruce. He's yeah. the three meter mad. He is so big. There's nothing to shoot at. And um, he made one save that I really liked. There was a really wicked screen on a Calgary mm-hmm. power play and Lindholm came in and fired a shot kind of at that just above the pad below the glove. Short very side. difficult short side. Now that's mm-hmm. the kind of goal mm-hmm. that Koskinen led in regularly. Um, in his first year with the Oilers, but has cut down on this year. And I really love that save, especially mm-hmm. from him, although there was some more. Uh, he, he also slammed the door shut on Bennett on a, you know, kind of a highlight reel, those those two saves before the Broberg uh, saved, saved the team's bacon there. So Chris, what is was, your... Uh, it was shots. Uh, yeah. Uh, he he really stood tall in more ways than one. Like Calgary wasn't... wasn't very successful at screening him because he's just so able to, you know, see yeah. over everything. And I find that he just does a little less guessing than Smith does and a little yeah. more following, tracking the puck and just being in the proper and proper position. So uh, anyway, I was happy to see him get the start and uh, very satisfied with his play. And, and really no complaints with Smith either. Like they, uh, they were strong. So, they're yeah. going to need it. I mean, you, you can't you can't make any kind of run in the playoffs without having the goaltending. It just it's almost impossible to do. I definitely think we're going to see both goalies uh, mm-hmm. this playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as a goalie has a bad game, the other guy will go in, and that that's fine with me. Uh, especially now that now like the game's so close, following each other, and what we know about goalies wear and tear something that wasn't known as much in the past. Right. I think uh, having two solid goalies could be one of the keys to winning the Stanley Cup this year, Bruce. Unfor- you know, so let's hope these two guys stay stay healthy. Um, Bruce, what is your bad thing? Uh, I didn't particularly like how the oil came out in the second period. Like they really dominated the first. I know we had scoring chances at seven to one, and they were up two nothing before you knew what was going on and fully in control. And really, they could easily got a third goal and ran away with it, but uh, Cam Talbot came up with a couple of big stops. But then in the second period, they just, you know, they just didn't have the... Um, Calgary raised their game and Edmonton just wasn't able to respond to it. And that's where, the you know, the netminders came through big time. In the uh, second period in particular, when the shots were 16-7, uh, uh, to seven, yeah. And 12 to 7 in the third. Like, uh, Edmonton spent uh, a little too much of the, especially the final 40 minutes, in their own end of the ice without the puck. And Cal- Calgary just seemed to have a little edge on winning puck battles and and keeping the puck in the zone. And, and uh, uh, the Oilers were, uh, you know, guilty, I think, a little bit of, you know, of that we got the lead easily enough and let's let's cruise. And... It's tough to criticize because, like I say, you don't really want them leaving it all out there in a game like this anyway, and they, they didn't, and they found a way to win. So it's a it's a mild criticism, but uh, just that they, they couldn't carry on the level that they established in the first period for the final 40 minutes until suddenly, bam, bam, the secret weapon, Patrick Russell, <laughs> broke loose with two points and one shift. Pretty impressive for a guy that played... Uh, Five minutes. Uh, what did he play? Four three minutes. Three minutes and four minutes and fifty-three seconds. Yeah. Goal and assist. Gotta like it. Too bad the goal doesn't count though, eh? 
Yeah, because it didn't I'm still happen. cheesed off that he got robbed out of that one in Vancouver. That poor guy. I mean, <laughs> that might have been his only NHL goal. We don't know the future, but but uh, anyway. Uh, Someone he, said they're going to sign him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, he's not a bad depth player. You know, you sign him at NHL minimum, you give him a, a, a two-way, but he's, you know, he's a decent depth player and and you know, you're not going to have 20 Connor McDavid's on your team, right? So at minimum salary, you want a few guys that have, you know, been around a little bit and uh, know what's going on and know what they have to do to not hurt the team. And I think that's uh, Patrick Russell, you know, and if 13th, 14th forward. That's the role that he's basically played this year, and he's been okay. My bad thing, Bruce, was, mm-hmm. well, I thought all the Oiler lines were good. I was pretty encouraged, actually, with the top two lines. It looks like that R&H, McDavid, Cassian line is going to be really good. And mm-hmm. NS fits in, of course, with Yamamoto and Dreisaitl. And the the big line of Neil, uh, the heavy hockey line, Neil, Chase on, and Carroll look good. That's that third line, though, I don't. It's a bit of a mixed due to injury, but also right. just um, I'm not seeing that line having an identity yet or knowing what they're doing out there. It was three players kind of going in up, you know, different directions, and they haven't played. I don't think that that group of players had played together before tonight, so not unexpected. Right. I didn't mind Gaetan Haas. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought he was okay on the PK, except that one play where he, he fell on his butt. Right. Uh, but uh, I thought he was fine, and I thought Archibald was fine. And Athanasiu, Andreas Athanasiu, had his moments too, especially on the attack. But mm-hmm. there was one play that I, I just question um, whether he's the right fit for a defensive line, uh, mm-hmm. a line that's going to be sent out there as a shutdown line. It was They had had a, a fairly good run of offensive play, and, and then he made a pass back in his yeah. own, which was picked off, and it kicked off a three-on-two. That three-on-two led to four grade-A chances. The first two great saves by Koskinen, then he's out of the net, and then another two are when Broberg has to make the save. And that all started because um, a, a checking line forward you know, made a risky threw pass the in the offensive away. zone. He mm-hmm. threw the puck away. So I, he, the, the guy can – like he's got some offensive talent. I actually liked his hustle, and I liked it a lot about his game. Except that play, and that play, Bruce, makes me think is – is he going to be the guy that you want on your checking line? You know, wouldn't uh, Joachim Nigard be a safer, it better pick in that same role, more likely to get the job done as a shutdown checking winger with Haas and Archibald? Let's say Shan can't play for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I just, that's the question I have about a fantasy. It's, he, like, if you had a, if, if one of those other two lines was more of a scoring line, he would fit on that line. But as as a the shutdown checking line, I'm not seeing it right now, Bruce. I expected to see uh, Negard in the lineup tonight. I was quite surprised when Patrick Russell was the yeah extra forward. Like Haas going in, for, well, especially with Shea out. Like I thought Haas would be the 13th forward, and then of course he had to step up and play center on the on the, yeah the one line there. So the 13th forward was between Russell and Negard. I was very surprised that it was Russell. You know, obviously it worked out all right. Um, but uh, I don't know if Negard is still, you know, if they're still dealing with that injury or what the, what the, to me, like he was the unquestionably the superior choice, but 
He looked good um, in the scrimmage, the yeah. Saturday scrimmage. He guarded yeah. it. He was fast yeah. and dangerous and good, and he's a good player. I, li- I like him. I like so, did, so did Austin Asio. He had some great moments in that scrimmage. He did as I don't well. Know if, you, if you saw the post that I wrote uh, uh, today, and I, ha- I included a couple of clips that were picked out by Sean Patrick Ryan and by a, a Twitter account called Sports Archivist. Very sharp-eyed guys, both of them, to pick up those out, you know, all the clips that were out there, and excellent rushes, like really showing the speed and he, just he determination does. to break yeah. through and take it right to the net. So there's there's some good signs there, but it's what he does the other ninety five percent of the time. <laughs> I remain to be convinced about, but uh, it's nice to see you know the the foot speed and the nose for the net. That uh, and we saw at least one example of that tonight as well, where he made a good hard drive to the to the net. But uh, checking yeah. line, I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of the checking line Montreal Canadiens used to have years ago when they had. Uh, uh, I think it was Jarvis and Ganey. I think I've got the error right. It might have been uh, Carmino and Ganey. And the right winger was Russ Cortnell. <laughs> Cortnell really? was always like a zone ahead of the other guys. But when they got the puck and chipped it out, he was sort of the the danger man on the you know the counterattack and steaming down the wing and and uh, uh, you know taking it the other way. And that, that's um, I mean I'm not sure Athanasio quite cheats for offense that way, but he's the guy that's going to score individual style goals on on, uh, on that line. And we'll see. I mean, they're running out of places to put him. If they're not going to put him on the top six, then he better fit somewhere in the bottom six. I thought you were going to say Murray Wilson, because that's, uh, that's the guy that Athanasiu mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of, like yeah. fast as hell with a decent shot, but um, now, Bruce, I'm not sure that Jarvis played in the same era. I don't want to call you. It might, have been, might have been Carbono. Like, I, I know Gainey it's was Car- on the Carbono. There you go. Car- yeah, yeah, that's the right era. It was now 21 and 23, but it might have been Carbono after uh, after Jarvis left. Yeah, Gainey played. Gainey, Carbono, and Courtney all played on the same team. So there right. you go. That's that's who you're thinking of. Yeah. All right. Um, what is your numero well, I'm going to give a couple of them. And this is Philip Broberg and his numbers. I was, A, again, surprised that he was the choice to be the number seven defenseman over Caleb Jones, and I thought it was sort of automatic. But, uh, again, I mean, he got a late start to camp, and maybe this was just the coach's way of rewarding Broberg for a strong camp and saying, we're going to get you in this game, and we probably won't see him again. But, I mean, as of now, he's number seven on the depth chart. And all the people that were giving Spectre a hard time can uh, eat their fruits <laughs> for a few days because clearly he passed some guys on the depth chart, at least in terms of earning his spot in this game. Uh, and he had he had some okay moments, and he did handle that one emergency well. But boy, oh boy, did they ever uh, wind up on the short end of the the play when he was out there? Uh, shot attempts three, four, fifteen against. Unblocked shot attempts, 1-4, 11 against. Shots, 0-4, 8 against. And this is scoring chances, the uh, natural stat trick version, 0-4, uh, 10 against when he was on the ice. 0 to Broberg. 10 in 9 minutes. Oh, you know, there was that one horrible sequence yeah, there, right? where they had Ooh. 4, yeah. yeah. And, and he, was, he did save the bacon, save their bacon <laughs> on that, but he also... You look at the rush down, he, the pass goes through him twice. Passes go through his stick twice. 
Broberg, and he might have been a little soft, like backing in too much mm-hmm. um, on the coverage there, and, and allowed the cross seam. So, uh, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, his whatever. Defensive positioning is a, is a work in progress, and what can you expect for a nineteen year old? I you know I'm not trying to dump on him. I'm just saying. If yeah. you're saying, hey, look at this Philip Broberg, what, there's nothing going to stop him. Well, he did play in an NHL uh, exhibition game, and when he was on the ice, uh, he had trouble getting out of his own zone. So yeah. that's what the, that's what these stats say. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I don't want to dump on him, but there are a bunch of sort of generic-looking stats in games where nobody played 20 minutes and nobody, you know, uh, yeah. Nobody had a, a real dominating kind of game. That was one that dr- jumped off the sheet as being a little lopsided. Ken Holland uh, did say he is going back to Sheleftia, um Broberg is this season, and and uh, that you know that obviously makes sense. They're, they're definitely sounds like they're definitely having a hockey season in Sweden. Um, so uh, you know, and, and that team has lost. I think at least. I think it's lost its top two defensemen. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he's he's going to get an opportunity to, to, to move up. Like, they play 7D every game, and we see what happens to time on ice when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, a lot of the players end up playing 13, 14, 15 minutes. Right. We're going to see, Broberg's probably going to see move in move up from the 14-minute-a-game class to the 18-minute-a-game class there in Sweden. And that'll be a world of, world of good for him. I'm hoping uh, for yeah. 20, and I'm just hoping for, you know, like a more prominent role in playing bigger situations and stuff yeah. because the top, I mean, Philip uh, Berglund is one of the guys that left who was his partner for part of the year at least. And the other guy is a guy named Pudis or something like Jonathan that. Who was their leading scorer. He's uh, coming to North D, America. D-man. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah he's I'll a really good see. player, I think. He left, so. And so he... uh Maybe uh, Dallas. That opens the door for a couple of uh, for guy to move up at least one pairing in the uh, in the scheme of things, and if he keeps on improving, he may well jump right into the first pairing. So yes, that's that a definite be, that possibility. That would be the ideal. Jonathan. So I mean, positive positive arrows here, but let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves and think that he's he's uh, made it. And he's here for good. I think he's he learned some valuable lessons tonight. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh, he's uh, Jonathan Pudis is playing with Jokerit in the KHL, but he, he may have an NHL contract, and I think it might be with Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, but I might be mistaken. All right, Bruce, uh, my number is one. Zach Cassian was only officially credited with one hit. Maybe that's all he had, but, <laughs> man, what a hit. He just absolutely clocked uh, Eric Gustafson. And it was a great moment in the game. Like It's like, this is what the Oilers are going to need. Uh, from Zach Cassian uh, to be this fearsome, intimidating hockey player who makes those kinds of hits, legal hits, in the playoffs. And, um, you know, he had started off the game with a turnover and an icing um, play. So he didn't start off that well, but that got it going. And that that really was, I thought, a, a exciting. Ex- for an exhibition game, that was a, that was a really interesting game. Um, the Oilers did crank it down a notch, didn't fully go for it i think after they got that two nothing lead although they did they got into it in a game when it got close and calgary Calgary came on but cassian that was a that was a good moment Mm -hmm. glad to see it loved to see it and um daughters are going to need more of that in the playoffs because they're going to need to hit and then archibald also gave gustafson a good old yeah yeah gustafson seemed to be in the sights of of a few guys he got clobbered two or three times 
And I'd be willing to bet you, if I was a betting man, I would bet you uh, units that casting will have more than one hit on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I recently, we won't go through this. We'll talk about Chicago. I, I, right. I went through the exercise of looking at Chicago and how they can beat the Oilers, so it's definitely possible. But this Oilers team, I am bullish on them, Bruce. Well, Bruce, let's leave it there. I've already posted the game grade, so I'm just going to add Excellent. in our, our podcast. And um, thanks for talking tonight. Excellent. Yeah, we'll get back to uh, to real hockey, like a meaningful, more meaningful hockey on Saturday. And I'm, we'll probably be going into that game in a bit more detail, I would expect. But uh, a good start. We'll take it. No, you know, they got through it. And and here we are, I think, ready to, uh, as ready as they're going to be, to move on to that next stage. Thanks again, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.